Good to see you all as we gather for worship here on this Lord's Day. Uh, we're very happy to be with you this, here with you this morning to worship the Lord our God and to see you. Uh, if you are visiting with us here at Providence, we do uh, hope that you're blessed this morning, that you are warmly received by our congregation. If you have any questions about I'd love uh, to speak to you after the service, please come talk to me or one of, uh, one of the elders. All right, so we do have several announcements before we begin our service uh, of worship. Um, so... Buckle up, we've got a few here. Uh, this Tuesday is our ladies' Bible study at 10 a.m., so um, that's this Tuesday up here at the church. Um, if you're interested in our ladies' Bible study, uh, please talk to Linda Nelson, uh, who is uh, here today, if you're interested in that Bible study uh, for the ladies. Also, we'd like to give our congratulations to uh, the Potts family on the birth of Aidan Joseph Potts, born uh, February 3rd, so we're thankful uh, to the Lord for his arrival. Uh, Aiden was born, uh, what is that, was that Saturday? Yes, yes, praise the Lord. So uh, Aiden came into this world uh, February 3rd, Saturday, so we're thankful to uh, the Lord for him. We're thankful uh, that the pots are doing well, and they're home. Everyone is home. Aiden is doing well. Uh, so uh, we give thanks to the Lord for that. Also this morning, we will be receiving Ryan and Hong Jong Lee into the membership of Providence this morning. We're very happy about that, so that will happen uh, later in the service. Also, uh, I will be on vacation uh, beginning this week. I, was, I will still be working a couple days this week, but next Sunday 
uh, we will have a guest preacher. So February 15th through the 21st, uh, I'll be on vacation, so please pray for uh, David Wright is his name. He is an intern in the OPC. He will be filling in uh, next Sunday. Uh, also, there will be no evening service next Sunday, February 18th, as I will be on vacation. We do have evening service tonight at 5. Uh, in addition to this, uh, the ordination service to the office of deacon for David Capella and John Springer will be held on Sunday, uh, February 25th, during the morning worship service. So, uh, February 25th, please mark your calendars. We will be ordaining and installing David and John uh, into the office of deacon here at Providence. So please pray uh, for these brothers up until this time. We are excited uh, about this. Also, please, if you would, keep on your minds and your hearts the various prayer requests that are listed there in the insert in your bulletin this week. Our family of the week is the Easter Day family. So please uh, pray for Tom and uh, Kathy uh, this week. And just one uh, other mention, of course, we want to thank the Lord for the arrival of Aiden uh, into this world, but um, uh, we were notified recently that uh, William Scott uh, passed away. This boy was four years old, um, and so uh, he was dealing with an illness, and he, he passed away uh, recently. So uh, their friend, family friend, uh, Laura Carter, has asked that we pray for this family. So please lift them up in your prayers. Well, friends of God, I believe that takes care of all of the announcements we have gathered here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship the only true and living God as the music plays. Let us prepare our hearts to worship him. Saints of Providence Presbyterian Church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would now please stand as we hear God call us to worship him from Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let us now sing the doxology. God, our spirits rejoice in you, and our souls give you thanks, O Lord, for the steadfast love that you have shown to your people, for the mercy that you have shown to us in sending your Son to die for our sins. For we praise you, O God, and we give you thanks. We thank you, O Lord, for the Spirit 
who is at work within your people, opening our mouths to declare your praise. For from now on, we are those whom are called blessed because of what you have done in your Son. Father, we pray now that you would fill our hearts with thanksgiving, fill our hearts with peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, that we might draw near to you in spirit and in truth. For we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you would now turn in your uh, hymnals to Psalm 110b, the Lord has spoken to my Lord, Psalm 110b. this now. There's one prayer request I forgot to mention. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if an email went out about this or not, but tomorrow Autumn Broccolo will have her surgery. And so please be in prayer uh, for Autumn. Uh, The surgery was pushed back uh, for up to a month. And now they've decided that her levels, her thyroid levels are are doing well enough that they can uh, hopefully attempt to do the surgery tomorrow. And so please uh, be in prayer uh, for Autumn uh, and the Broccolos in this regard. So we're thankful for this. It's a good thing. Um, We don't have to wait uh, any longer. And so please pray that that would uh, go through and it would be successful. If you would now turn uh, to the front of your hymnals to page Roman numeral 16. On page Roman numeral 16, you will find a list of the Ten Commandments, which we will recite out loud together. The Ten Commandments are a revelation of the moral law of God to man, or their, the requirements 
that God has placed upon man in order to properly bring him glory, to love him and to love our neighbor. As we read the Ten Commandments uh, together, friends, let us be mindful of all the ways in which, even as Christians, even though we have been freed from the curse of the law, let us remember all the ways in which we fall short of God's glory and let us flee to Jesus Christ and find mercy in him. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Beloved, having heard God's law, now let us confess our sins to God together by reciting the prayer of confession that is listed in the insert in your bulletin. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. You are the God of my salvation, and for you I wait all the day long. Whosoever puts his trust in you shall not be put to shame. You have led me in your truth, and you teach me by your Spirit. But I am lonely and afflicted because of my sin. The troubles of my heart are enlarged, and my guilt is great. My transgressions are many. The sins of my youth are a burden to my soul. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt. Amen. O beloved God is gracious. He is merciful to all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. We have rock-solid assurance that our sins have been forgiven in his word, as we see in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved. Amen. 
Let us now turn in our hymnals to hymn 440, Come Ye Sinners Poor and Wretched, hymn 440, and let's all stand together as we sing. I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. This morning we will look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This morning we are talking about, we're going to look about, look in this text about anxiety and, and prayer. So I was excited about this text. I think this is something that 
uh, we all need to hear and be reminded of. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 will be be the focus of today's sermon. I would like to begin the reading uh, in verse uh, 2. So Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, beloved, before uh, we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together, friends. Our Father in heaven, indeed, we are wounded and bruised and sick as a result of the fall of the first man, Adam, into sin, who brought death and sin into the world. As your people, though we have been renewed and redeemed in Jesus Christ, and though our image is being restored in him by your spirit, nevertheless, we, are, we do suffer and we are bruised. And so we come before you, O Lord, without money, seeking to purchase the peace and the joy that comes as a result of faith in Jesus Christ and as a result of coming before you in prayer worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you that Jesus has given us all of these things in himself, through his work. And so we pray, Father, that you would grant us grace to receive your word, to lay it up in our hearts that we might not sin against you and that you might be glorified. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. Beloved, this is the word of God. I entreat Udia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God. If we could summarize this whole section, verses 4 through 7... Uh, which we began last week, if we could summarize this section, it would, be, it would go something like this. Be joyful, be gentle, and know peace. Be joyful, be gentle, and know peace. Last time we talked about, we looked at joy and gentleness, and today we are going to look at peace. So joy, gentleness, and peace. Now these attributes should sound familiar. In Galatians, Paul said that the fruit of the Spirit who dwells inside each of us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so these joy, peace, gentleness should be evident, should be exhibited in the Christian life. It's hard to imagine that we would not on some level be considered as salt and light that's what we are, and that's what we are called to be in this world, salt and light. It's hard to imagine that those around us would not think of us in this way if we have these things, joy, gentleness, peace. In fact, this is precisely what makes us salt and light in this world. We might consider the alternative 
uh, to put these characteristics in sharp relief. There are people who are angry, violent, and anxious. They do not know joy, nor gentleness, nor peace. Such is the result often when we turn our backs on the Lord. In these two verses, Paul stresses the importance, indeed the necessity, of continual prayer for Christians. And in doing so, he emphasizes the peace that comes to us as a result of this persistent prayer. In the first part of these verses, Paul tells the church what not to do. That's how he begins these two verses. He forbids something. He prohibits something in our lives. Like when a parent forbids that their child have cookies right before bedtime. They're prohibiting them from doing that. They say, do not get into the Oreos right before you go to bed. Paul forbids something here. Now, you might expect for Paul to, if he's about to do that, you might expect for Paul to say something like, do not sin or do not dispute or grumble with one another. He said that earlier in this letter, do everything without grumbling. Don't grumble, don't complain. And so what is it then that Paul forbids here? Well, he says in verse 6, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Now you might still, you might be sitting here thinking, and I know I thought this as I approached this text, well, this is not what is expected from Paul. In a letter where he repeatedly exhorts the church to be joyful, to be joyful, rejoice in the Lord, to be unified, repeatedly he says that in this letter. Now he takes time to tell us, do not be anxious. Where is this coming from? What does anxiety have to do with unity or joy? You might also be thinking, well, this is not good because I get anxious every day. I'm always anxious. I get anxious quite a lot. Now, it's telling me, do not be anxious. So, what is going on here? Anxiety seems to be a prevailing problem uh, for Americans uh, today. Some people can be crippled, uh, literally crippled by anxiety. Uh, Paul clearly says here, do not be anxious. Not just the big things, either. He says, do not be anxious about anything. The Philippians were dealing with some type of opposition in their lives, in the life of the church. Possibly from the culture uh, was, the prob- was part of the problem. Perhaps it came from civil authorities who were threatening to shut them down or even possibly take them uh, into custody as Paul was in chains when he wrote this letter. Earlier, Paul said to this church that they should not be frightened in anything by your opponents. And so they were dealing with a true opponents in their lives. There was also the threat of the false teaching from the Judaizers mentioned in chapter 3. Paul says, look out, or he warns them, be careful, look out for them, look out for the evildoers, look out for the dogs, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And so they were, they were to be on alert about these false teachers. In addition to this, he had just exhorted two women to end their disagreement. And he did it publicly. He mentioned both of them name. And so if you think about all this together, if the church, if the Philippians dwelled upon how all these potentially negative things could have influenced their church and how these things could affect their church, then yes, 
you can see how they might be tempted to be anxious. You've got opponents, you've got false teachers, there's this unity between two prominent women. There's reasons to be anxious, it looks like, here, and so it makes sense. And this is what anxiety is, friends. It's letting your mind and your heart improperly dwell on something before you or on something ahead of you. You might think about when this happens. You might think about test-taking, paying bills, providing for your family, death of a loved one, your own death, or your sickness of a loved one, or the, your own sickness, finding a job, graduating high school, graduating college, applying for college, applying for grad school, Marriage problems, issues with your children, issues even possibly with your grandchildren, performing in front of people, speaking in front of people. These all can be sources of great anxiety for us, can they not? Jesus told his disciples in the crowds at one point the exact same thing here in Matthew 6. He says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what you will wear. Do not improperly dwell upon these things, thinking about how you're going to get them or how they might be taken away from you at any moment. Do not be anxious about your life. Now, several of Christ's disciples would be executed. They would be martyred for their faith. Even with the prospect of death by execution, we are told, do not be anxious about your life. We don't see much anxiety coming out of Paul in this letter, even though his life was possibly on the line. Now really, if we think about it, we can become anxious about pretty much anything, can we not? We can get anxiety over picking what movie to watch. We can get anxiety over deciding which restaurant to go eat at. Now, there are circumstances in which a person or a group of people, because of their abusive behavior towards others, There are certain circumstances because of abuse among people or toward others, they can create an anxiety-filled environment. You might think about the anxiety that children suffer as a result of neglect or abuse. Certainly, they suffer anxiety because of something that is out of their control. And we should all do what we can, especially parents and leaders in, in other areas, husbands and wives and other and other leaders, we should do our best to create peaceful environments, places that are, for the most part, as much as we are able, free from anxiety. We can do that, provide environments like that for those around us. Now think about this, two people, there's two people in some type of relationship, one is prone to fits of anger, very violent, instable, the other person struggles with anxiety because of the behaviors of the other person because of the instability of that person uh, they are dealing with. Scripture's focus would not be on the person with anxiety in that situation. Scripture's focus would be on the one who's causing the anxiety. Scripture would tell that person, repent, be gentle. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. Provide a, a safe place for those around you where, for the most part, They live in an anxiety-free zone. And so we're not talking about that necessarily. We want to affirm that that takes place. But I don't think that's what Paul has in mind here. 
I don't think Paul has that type of anxiety in view here. We could better categorize this anxiety or that type of anxiety when we're talking about abuse uh, or other things. That type of anxiety is suffering or sorrow in the heart as a result of persecution. We, we as Christians can be persecuted. The Philippians were suffering or dealing with opposition and we can have sorrow in the heart. We suffer uh, as a result of these things. Jesus endured this very thing. Right before he was arrested or crucified, he told, and, and then crucified, he told his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. And so it's not wrong, in other words, to have sorrow in your soul as a result of something that is completely out of your control, be it persecution, be it something else. We, you will experience sorrow as a Christian in this life. That is not a sin. In fact, though, even as we think about this, where did Jesus end up after he said these things? My soul is sorrowful even to death. He ended up in prayer. Nevertheless, it's not a sin to feel sorrow in your heart as a result of suffering in this world. The anxiety spoken of here is different. It is not that. I think... It is, it is not that. It is not the experiencing deep sorrow in your heart and soul from suffering. We will be troubled in this age. The anxiety that is prohibited here is more like a fearful fretting or an obsessive worrying. That's what's in view. Don't do that. That's what the Lord is saying to us through the apostle uh, today. A fearful fretting or obsessive thinking about something. This is an anxiety that comes from thinking and believing you do not have a father in heaven who cares about you and who will provide for you, who has not provided for you in the past and whom you fear will not provide for you in the future. It's that type of anxiety. It could be this type of anxiety could be categorized as atheistic. Rather than prohibiting anxiety in your life, you prohibit going to God in prayer. You neglect prayer. You neglect thinking about how you do have a Father in heaven, and he does love you, and he cares for you, and he will give you everything you need. Instead of thinking about that, you think about all the ways in which everything might go wrong. Do you see the difference? Anxiety like this is the product of churches and individual Christians, families, eliminating from their everyday life constant prayer. And in that way, you push the presence and the reality of the fatherly care of your Father in heaven to you every day of your life. You push that more and more out of your thinking. And it causes anxiety. And so in that way, it could be, part of this anxiety could be categorized as atheistic. You're operating as if God is not there. That your Father is not in heaven watching over you every step of the way. Elsewhere, Paul says, pray without ceasing. The anxious person instead worries without ceasing. Now, both take energy, friends. Both are intentional. You do this on purpose. We do this on purpose. I do this on purpose. I need to hear this. I think about the wrong things too much, too often, when I should be in prayer to the Lord. So both take energy, both are intentional, prayer and being anxious. 
Now we should pause here for a moment and make clear that we don't want to completely disregard certain biological and physical malfunctions in some of us. Those do exist. Some of us are just pre-wired to be anxious about all sorts of things. And some people even have to take medication to help with this. And so some of us are more prone to anxiety than others. But we can all fight against this. And so we're not, we don't want to completely disregard those elements in the Christian life. Nor do we want to include in here self-inflicted anxiety. If you are constantly breaking God's commandments, if you are a thief, if you are a murderer, if you are an adulterer and a perpetual liar, you can count on living a life filled with anxiety. We should not feel sorry for people like that or having anxiety as a result of sin, persistent sin. So we don't want to include that in this either. And so... We want to keep all of this uh, in mind. There are certain biological defects in us that leave some of us prone to anxiety more than others. But we also want to recognize that we do bring upon ourselves sometimes anxiety that uh, we otherwise wouldn't have to deal with. Um, And so we want to keep those things in mind. But Paul does say here, do not be anxious about anything. Now this command to eliminate unwarranted anxiety from our lives comes right on the heels of Paul saying, the Lord is at hand. Christ, who is our peace and who has made peace between us and God by his blood, he is near to us by his spirit. He dwells in us. He has given us his spirit, and so Christ is with us wherever we go. And he's especially with us where two or three are gathered in his name, and he's coming again. He is our peace. He's made peace for us between us and God. He's coming again, and when he comes again, He will do away with all of these problems. He will make everything right. He will do away with our opponents. He will do away with all of the struggles that we have, both biologically and in our own souls, with anxiety, namely. And so do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. He's our shepherd. He's coming again. If we are burdened by anxiety, Paul tells us, what is the cure? What can we do? Where can we go to find relief? If this is a problem, Paul tells us very clearly here, do not be anxious, but pray. But in everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious in anything. Rather, in everything, pray. Do not be anxious in anything. Rather, make your requests known to God. You see the movement there. Don't put your energy into this. Put your energy into this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, go to your Lord in heaven. Paul refers to prayer here in several different ways. He refers to it as prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. He refers to it as making requests. Now, only one reference here really stands out as different from the others, as having a different perspective, and that's thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is self-explanatory. Anxiety in the Christian or in a church can come as a result of focusing too much at times on what we don't have. But prayer filled with thanksgiving to God for what we have been given, thanksgiving to the Father for the blessings that he lavishes upon us today and has done so for 
many years and will do so in the future. We give thanks to him for that. Blessings that we do not deserve. We give thanks to God for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. We thank him for that. Something that can never be taken away from us, even though clothing and food can. No one can touch the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for his spirit, for your spirit who is at work within me, at work within us, that gives us peace. Thank you, Father, for our families, for our church, for your son, for the cross. Thank you for the joy that we have in Christ. Prayers like that, filled with thanksgiving, focusing our minds on what God has bestowed on us, and the things that can never be taken away, that can and is able to suffocate anxiety. It can also help with disunity. You give thanks for the people God has given you rather than grumbling about what you think needs to be changed in your neighbor next to you. And so thanksgiving, prayer filled with thanksgiving can help with all of these things. The rest of the words that Paul uses really just all refer to prayer. Thank God and his Christ for what you do have in in prayer. Give him thanks always. Have your prayers be full of thanksgiving. And there's much to be thankful for. And if you do need something, or you think you need something, take these needs to your Father in heaven in prayer. Make them known. Make your requests known to God. Making your requests known to God means that we intentionally and purposefully, with thanksgiving, open our hearts, open our minds, open our mouths to communicate with a living God in heaven who hears you. That's what prayer is. That's what it means to do this. Christ's blood has opened a way for all of us, each one of us, collectively in worship on the Lord's Day, individually with our families. Through Christ's blood, we all can act as priests in Jesus Christ and appeal to God who is able to answer our prayers and who hears your prayers. That is what prayer is. Expending your energy toward the one who is ready and able to help you, to give you what you need. Now, we are like children in this way, friends. Children cannot provide for themselves. They cannot protect themselves. They must appeal at all times to a higher authority. They must appeal to someone stronger than them. They must appeal to someone bigger than them to meet their needs. The Shorter Catechism defines prayer in this way as offering up our desires unto God. That is what we do. We give him everything that's in us. Offering up our desires unto God. We are told in the Psalms that we are to pour out our hearts to God. Pour them out before him. Leave nothing back, in other words. Pour our hearts out to the Lord in prayer. Our prayers are pictured in the book of Revelation as the burning of incense and golden bowls. This is a precious gift that we have been given, the church, and no one else. Your Father hears your prayers because you are in Christ. Make use of that gift. Make use of that privilege. You are His children. Open your hearts up to the Lord in prayer. Let your desires be made known to Him. Beloved saints in Christ, pray. And what is the result of this? What, What happens on the other end? 
What is the result of this kind of intentional and continual prayer and thanksgiving for you? Paul says you will have peace. Verse 7, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety then is portrayed here as an invader in the Christian life. Roman soldiers at this time, this letter was written, they were stationed in various places in the empire, various cities in the empire. There, was a, there were Roman guards. So if you walked the streets, you could see their presence in the cities. And they were stationed at certain cities to protect from invasion from without, but also to protect from disorder within, to keep people in line. This is, like armed, this is like the armed policemen that they station at sporting events, large sporting events. You will often see armed policemen right in front, right as you walk up to the stadium or walk up to the building where the sporting event is at. Why are they there? To keep fans from acting up. To hopefully discourage people from acting up. To keep order. Remove the guards. There's a potential that people will think they can do whatever they want, and people can get out of control. Anxiety is like the unruly citizen or an invader from outside the city. If you let your hearts and your minds drift away from prayer, constant prayer, anxiety can invade. It can cause all sorts of problems. Your heart and mind can descend into a kind of constant disorder, constant unrest. And this unrest and fear can lead to all kinds of unhealthy behaviors and all kinds of unhealthy actions. That kind of anxiety is what is in view here for the Christian. Now think about this, friends. King Herod, in the days when Jesus was born, he serves as a good example. King Herod was filled with anxiety when he heard that the king of the Jews had been born. Jesus was born and it caused anxiety in him. That anxiety in regard to what Christ's birth meant for him led him to have all the young boys in the region of Bethlehem killed. He was afraid. He was anxious. What does this, king, what does this king's entrance into the world mean for my own throne? Will I lose my place in this world? He was anxious. And what did that anxiety lead him to? It led to some horrific actions. To put it another way, King Herod had much power at his disposal and much wealth, but he had no peace. But we do, friends. We have peace. And we can access that peace more and more if we so choose through prayer. In Christ Jesus, that is how we are referred to here. We have the mind of Christ. We know our ultimate destiny. The Lord is at hand. He will make all things right. We know God. The God of the universe, the God who made all things, we know him. He knows our names and he listens to us. Christ has opened the door for us to have access to our heavenly father who has made heaven and earth. And so he's powerful and he is merciful. He's ready to help us when we need, when we need him. The peace of God that Paul speaks of here is supernatural peace. It is peace that remains. It's sustained even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. This is why Paul describes it as peace that surpasses understanding. As Christians, sometimes we can often pause and look at everything that's going on in our lives, in our families, in the church, at work, and all of our responsibilities, and we can see it all laid out before us, and we can think on paper, I should be freaking out right now. 
But we don't. Because we belong to the Lord. He's in control. We have peace. Peace. Something that King Herod never had. We have that. And so, pray, friends. We have this at our disposal. We rest in Jesus Christ. And we find rest and peace in prayer. Now, friends, peace is not a thing. It's not something out there in which we participate. It's not simply an emotion, though this peace does influence our emotion. It pushes out anxiety, for example. Peace is not merely an emotion, nor is it just a thing. Peace is a person. We have peace from God through Christ, who is our peace. Jesus is our peace. We go to him in prayer. We draw near to him when we open up our minds to him and offer our desires to God, unto Jesus. He is our peace. And so peace is a person. And we draw near to him. And that influences us in the way in which we either do or do not have anxiety. The Spirit causes the fruit of joy and peace to grow inside of us, and this happens as a result partly of constant prayer. In the Old Testament, Gideon built an altar to God, and he named that altar, the Lord is peace. Yahweh is shalom. Peace is a person. Peace is given to you from a personal God who loves you, who has given you Jesus Christ, who has given you his spirit. The Lord is peace. And so God is our peace, and that never changes. But there is a sense, friends, in which we as Christians must, must intentionally and continually access that peace. And we do that in prayer. Now, when we pray, friends, it is as if, And this is how Paul presents it here. When we pray, it is as if we set a legion of armed soldiers around our hearts and our minds to preserve order. We guard our hearts and minds through prayer. That peace that God gives us in prayer, it is like stationed soldiers armed and ready to keep anxiety out, to keep order within our minds and within our hearts. That is how Paul presents it here. And so it's a form of warfare, prayer is. That is how it's presented in Scripture. Anxiety can cripple us. Anxiety can lead us to do things we would rather not do. We guard ourselves against that in prayer. The peace of God guards us against that. In fact, we could at times benefit at times from denying our bodies food and drink, those things that can cause us anxiety at times. Where, what will we eat? What will we drink? We can benefit at times from denying our bodies food and drink in order to concentrate more on prayer. It's called fasting. And we, when we do that, we drink up the peace of God in prayer. But in general, that is what we're after, the peace of Christ. Christ is our peace, and we draw near to him in prayer. Now, friends, if you do this, if you pray like this, if you weave prayer into the daily and weekly fabric of your life, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you receive from God exactly what is promised here. Peace. Let's pray together, friends.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon your people in Jesus Christ. Our hearts are full of thanksgiving, for we do not deserve one good thing from you, and yet you lavish your bounty upon us. You lavish your goodness and your love to us in your Son. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of prayer, for the access we have as fellow priests in Christ to go into the Holy of Holies and to find what we are looking for, peace in our lives, peace in our minds and our hearts. Father, forgive us when we are anxious. Forgive us when we do let our minds drift too far away from you and your grace in Jesus Christ. Father, help us. Help us to know peace, to have peace. We pray, Father, that you would stir in us by your spirit the desire to pray, the trust that we need to pray always without ceasing. We do pray, Father, that your peace would be at work in this church, that we would not be anxious, that we would know peace, and that you would be glorified. Father, we pray now for the nations of the world and for our own nation. We thank you for the civil leaders whom you've raised up. We thank you, O Lord, that your scripture uh, confirms for us and reminds us that no king or queen or civil leader that is uh, raised up or that is taken down, none of them are put into place or do the things that they do apart from your divine will. So, Father, we pray that you would give us peace as we rest upon that fact that you raise up kings and bring them down in accordance with your wise and holy plan for no one can, no one can thwart you in what you have determined to do in this world. Father, we pray for those places where there's much war and, and uh, civil unrest and many uh, experiences that can cause much anxiety in the church. We pray that your peace would be at work in them and that your mercy would be at work in these places. Father, we lift up to you our missionaries whom you've sent out into the world asking that you would bless them and multiply the fruit that is born as a result of their work. We lift up to you this morning the hot board serving in uh, Ukraine. We pray, Father, that you would keep them safe and that your peace would be at work in their hearts and their minds, that you would establish them in, in righteousness and use their efforts to advance the kingdom in, in, the, in Ukraine. We do pray that you would bring to an end this war and uh, provide a physical peace, a war, a peace from a military strife in this land. But above all, we do pray for the peace that you've promised uh, to your people in their hearts. Father, we pray for our regional home missionary, for our church planting efforts. We pray for those uh, who suffer and grieve and uh, this particular body, asking that you would provide for all of our needs and be with those especially who suffer uh, for various reasons and are going through various trials. Father, we thank you that you care for us and that you provide for all of our needs. We lift up to you this morning those with cancer. So we pray for Jim Witt, John Burleson, and Hikari Van Dam. Father, we lift up to you this morning in prayer the William Scott family. We pray, Father, that your peace would be at work in their hearts as they grieve the loss of their young son. Father, you are the author and giver of life and not even a bird falls to the ground apart from your holy will. So we pray, Father, that you would help this family to rest in the sovereign will of God and the promises you've given to them in the gospel. Father, we pray for uh, Dorothy, Kay, Hal, Rosalie, Jean, Linda. We ask that you would be with the Okorofor family as they search for a home. We pray for Autumn Broccolo and for her family. She prepares for surgery tomorrow, asking that um, your 
your power and your grace would be at work and the surgeons and the nurses, we pray, Father, that you would watch over this family and especially have your eyes upon Autumn. Keep her as the apple of your eye. And Father, uh, protect her and we pray for a successful surgery that you might be glorified. Father, we thank you for the arrival of Aiden Potts into this world. Thank you for the Potts family and for uh, this new covenant child. We ask that you would provide for all of their needs and help them, O oh Lord, uh, to serve you um, with, in all of their ways. Father, we thank you for the faith that you've given the Easter days, asking that you would be with Tom and Kathy and uh, bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them, provide for all of their needs. We pray that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would be at work in their lives and in their hearts. Father, fill our hearts with mercy and compassion that we would uh, pray for them continually and uh, meet all of their needs as we are able. Father, we thank you for Tom and Kathy. We do pray for Tom as he serves as a deacon, especially that you would grant him a special grace to fulfill his duties in accordance with your will. Father, we thank you and praise you, O Lord, that you hear and answer our prayers. We thank you that we can have peace and know peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We commit all of these things unto you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, as our deacons come forward now uh, to take the collection, let us pray to the Lord Jesus Christ that he would be pleased to use our sacrifices for his wise ends. Amen. to invite uh, Ryan and Hong Jong Lee to come forward now for the session of province to come forward uh, as well. Okay. 
Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that he has shown uh, the two of you and has given to you, that you have have accepted God's promise of salvation, that you have publicly confessed your faith in your Savior, Jesus Christ. We also rejoice, uh, Ryan Hong Jong, that uh, by God's Spirit, he has led you to us and given you the desire to join with us, to unite your family with us here at Providence. We ask you that you testify before us to the faith that you profess by giving assent to the following questions. Do you believe the Bible, consisting of the Old and New Testaments, to be the Word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? Do you believe in one living and true God in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, that you trust for salvation not in yourself but in Jesus Christ alone? Do you acknowledge, that Jesus, do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord, and do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life. Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service, to submit in the Lord to its government, to heed its discipline, even in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life? Amen. Well, beloved, as Ryan and Hong Jong are received into full communion in the church, Uh, The whole church is obligated to receive them as well, to pray for them, uh, to serve their needs, to encourage them, to set a good example uh, for them in their godly uh, godly walk, to encourage them in our most precious faith in the fellowship of uh, believers. Well, beloved, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to all the privileges of full communion with this congregation of God's people, and I charge you to continue steadfastly in the confession that you have made, humbly relying upon the grace of God and the diligent use of the means of grace, especially the word of God, the sacraments, and prayer. And rest assured that if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father who is in heaven. May the God of all grace, who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, may he perfect, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we bless your name. You are the great God who keeps covenant with your people. You have called us out of darkness into light, and you have given us eternal life and joined us with your Son, Jesus Christ. You gave us faith. You brought us to life when we were dead. We pray that you would bless Ryan and Hung Jong. We pray that you would pour out your blessings on them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, uh, build up their faith in you, encourage uh, their marriage, and reach out to all their loved ones and give them faith. We are reminded by listening to these vows that we've made a promise to a holy God that we are unable to keep. So we ask that you would give us that you would enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to lead holy lives and lives of obedience, and that we would especially obey the command that Jesus Christ gave us, the new command, that we love one another 
as he loves us, even laying down our lives for one another. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, always a, a good, a good Sundays, and we're uh, receiving uh, new new members. Well, as always, we will ask the Lees uh, to come forward after the service so that we can welcome them and uh, encourage them uh, in their in this uh, new step in their lives as Christians. Well, friends, if you would now turn in your hymnals to page eight fifty one at the back, there you will find the Apostles' Creed, which we will profess together as a confession of our faith in the gospel, and let us all stand together as we do so, friends. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you would now turn to our final hymn, Psalm 55. Oh, hear my cry for mercy. Psalm 55.
a reminder, I'd like to invite uh, Ryan Hongjong Lee uh, to come forward after the service so we can welcome them and congratulate them and encourage them uh, in their faith. And friends of God, receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.